the continuation of our message that we started last week, and that is really brokenness, brokenness. And by review, I just want to um, ask you, uh, first of all, uh, a couple questions, and um, and I just by review want to ask you to see how many of you really um, remember what we said last week, okay? So, first of all, the first question I want to ask you, and you can talk back to me, we like interaction here, um, what is the vessel that needs to be broken? We talked about this last week about the um, the uh, earthen vessels that had the light in them and how that in uh, the apostle, I'm just going to take this off, thank you. That's all right, here. They say I can carry something in this hand, but nothing heavier than a cup of coffee. So um, what is the thing in our life that needs to be broken? What is it? What is this? What is this? When the Bible talks about brokenness, that the outward vessel needs to be broken, that the inner treasure could be revealed. What is that that needs to be broken? Just our soul, our soul, right? The soul needs to be broken, and because the physical body can be broken, but there can still be pride inside. You ever meet a broken person with a broken life, but they're very arrogant, very proud? Okay? So uh, external brokenness does not guarantee internal brokenness, does it? Sometimes you can see people struggling with addictions, and, and uh, they hit rock bottom, and they are just totally smashed in their life. But inside, there's just no brokenness and no teachability. What's the second, um, the second question here is, is that there are two reasons why people never, we, there's two reasons why we never outgrow uh, the, the limitations of our circumstances, our life situations. There's two reasons. Okay, can you tell me what's the first reason? Why do people never seem to be able to outgrow the situation they're in? You talk to them 10 years later. It's a different situation, but it's the same narrative. What, what is the first reason why some Christians never outgrow their circumstances? Just anyone? The first reason. Uh, Mindset. Thinking about it all the time? Right, but there's two things that we said. Number one was what? They don't see the hand of God. They don't see the hand of God in it. I mean, okay, you know, a good question to ask yourself is, what is God trying to speak to me through this situation? That's the first question we should ask after we say, why is this happening to me? You know, how many of us have ever asked that question? Why is this happening to me? I don't deserve this. I'm such a great person. <laughs> you know, that's what Job said. Job said, I'm such a righteous person. I'm so great. I honor God and I've never done anything wrong. You know, when his trials began, you can see Job's narrative about defending himself and everything that he did right in his life and isn't it interesting that when we read when God speaks to us about suffering he doesn't give us a book of teaching he gives us an example because people that suffer don't necessarily need to be sat down and taught okay step one step two they need to see someone who's gone through it and that's why the book of Job is so powerful and the second reason why people never grow outside of their circumstances is what what did we say? Don't grow. They don't grow, but why don't we grow? Why not? Don't surrender to God. Okay, that's close. 
I'll just give it to you. We love ourselves too much. And we, we don't choose, we don't want to choose against our feelings and our preferences. When we love ourselves too much, we're not going to be making those hard choices that need to be made to get out of our circumstance. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, every one of us in this room today are inside of, in, in, some, in some kind of a circumstance. We're, we are. And that's just the way our life is as human beings. We are, something is happening to us. And the challenge is, is that God wants us to overcome that. And how do we do that? Number one, we just got to detect the hand of God. We just got to detect God's hand. And number two, we got to understand that if I live in self-love in this circumstance, I'm never going to get out of it. I'm going to make those hard choices that are against my own opinions and my own preferences. And so those, those are just two things by, uh, that we want to bring by, um, by review. Um, so let's talk about something that Diana just mentioned. She just mentioned uh, or w- that we're thinking about things all the time or our mindset, or somebody said it earlier, mindset. And I just want to start with this, that, and if you just... Can, um, I'm going to try to use the screen here, is that the story that we is presented here in Judges chapter 7 is that the Midianites were oppressing the, the Hebrews, and they were under pressure, and they were under stress, and they were under their circumstance. And Gideon was, I love the story of Gideon, because in the beginning he was negative. When God spoke to him, he was just like, I am nobody, I am nothing, I have all these problems. And so, Gideon here is used by God to deliver his people out of bondage and out of oppression. And this is what I think needs to happen in a lot of Christians' lives and in our lives too. You know, we sometimes hear about these churches and these ministries that really focus on deliverance. And sometimes some people really knock that. They said it's all about deliverance. You got to get delivered. And but there is truth to that, that when you and I get saved, uh, we are delivered positionally from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. But there's also some uh, practical deliverance that needs to go on in our life. There are things that we need to be delivered from. Um, there are certain kinds of spiritual things that we need to be delivered from and genetic things that we need to be delivered from, things that we need to be set free. So God raises up Gideon and he does this. And, and the story of Gideon is, is that God brings freedom in our lives through brokenness, okay? And here's the first point I want to make, is that very often our mindset, which can be wrong, creates improper perspective. I don't want to get too philosophical here, but many times when we look at... Um, when we look at what the Bible says regarding our mindset, we could look at Romans chapter 8, verse 6 and verse 7. For the mindset on the flesh is what? It's right up there. The mindset that's, the mind that's set on, on, on the flesh is what? Death. Have you ever experienced death? Not physical death, but maybe internal death. How many have ever experienced that? You just feel like, man, I feel like I'm dying on the inside. I mean, ever felt that way because of unbelief or because of failure or because of sin or just because of whatever that's going on in your... When our mind is set on the flesh or that earthly part of us that cleaves to the dust, you know, that cleaves to McDonald's, I'm sorry, oops, that cleaves to the things of this life, 
there's still a part of me. I don't eat there, but there's still a part of me that cleaves to it. I mean, I drive by, uh, every time I drive by this Burger King down in uh, Horsham, I can smell it. You just smell it. You just smell that beef. I don't know. You guys struggle with that? Everybody's great eaters here, right? Except for Tony and I. Tony and I just let us alone or we're going to wind up getting a cheese stick by ourselves. Mindset on the flesh is what? Death. But the mindset on the spirit is what? Life and peace. You ever have life and peace in your mind? You go to bed at night and you're just like, wow, I've got peace in my heart. Last night after the barbecue and after the mild, mild indigestion, I'm laying in my bed and I'm just thinking, wow, I've got so much peace in my heart because this is, this is God's heart, what we're doing. This is God's mind, just talking with people. We had these new people that came to the barbecue that I never met before and just talking with us and fellowshipping. And I thought, this is life. This is body life. This is what God has called us to do. For the mind that is set on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mind that's set on the flesh is hostile towards God. We've got to understand that our natural mind is not just, you know, passive or, you know, just not in tune with God. It is an enemy of God. It's someone that, it, the mindset is against God. It's, that's why when you and I are passive and we're not quickened in our minds, uh, we will actually begin to function in hostility towards God and God's plan for our life. You ever talk to somebody about the plan of God for their life? And you're just talking with them about it. And not that you're telling them what God's plan is for, your, for their life, but when you bring up this subject, like, you know, does God, you know, what is God's plan for your life? And if that person is functioning in passivity or in the, in the, in the, in the flesh, then what will happen is that there's going to be a hostile answer because it's fleshly. Because the mind that's set on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does, for it does not subject itself to the law of God for it is not even able to do that. Just think about that for a second. Your mind and my mind is not able to subject itself to the, to the law of God. <laughs> it's just not able to. How many times have you ever said, you know, I'm not patient enough. I've got to be a loving parent. I've got to stop yelling at my kids. I've got to love my wife more. I've got to do this. I gotta... And in your mind, you're thinking about all this stuff. And then you just try it. You, and then you try to do it in your mind we got to realize that our mind is not subject to the law of God. It just is not going to work. And many Christians today, many Christians, and I'm not saying that we're elitists, but I just think that many of us very often spend uh, too much of our time trying to subject something to God's law that, that is not able to subject itself to God's law. And I like this illustration. I've, I've, I've met it, mentioned it before. But imagine taking a pig, just a pig from a pigsty, a dirty old pig, bringing it into the house, cleaning it up in the bathtub, grooming it, putting it some perfume on it, and bringing it to the supper table with the family. What is that pig thinking about? The supper? It's thinking about what? The pig pen. I mean, you can change the external form of a pig, but the nature is never going to change. The nature is never going to change. And I think too often that we're trying to change a nature that cannot be changed. If, and you know what? God can't even change that nature. Because if, if God could change your flesh, he would have done it. 
But he couldn't. So what he did was he sent his son to the cross to do what? To crucify that nature. Just to put it to death. Just to put it out of its misery. Do you ever have to take a, an animal to put it out of its misery, take it to the vet? We had to do that with our cat, and it was just so hard to do that. But for God, it's, there's no sentimentality. He just takes our flesh, and he brings it to the cross. And really, that's why we got to understand this important point, that our flesh and our minds is not subject to the law of God. And as a, as a, as a Christian, sharing our faith with other people we got to be careful that we're not telling people that they got to, you know, you got to change your life, man. You got to subject yourself to the law of God. That is not the right message of the New Testament. Let's go to the next point. Unhappiness many times results when we don't surrender all our issues at the foot of the cross. Now, earlier somebody said that. I had asked the question, and somebody actually said this point. And Hudson Taylor said this. He said he said this a little different. He said that that all too often our discontentment is because of, of secret lack of surrender at the cross. Surrendering all our stuff at the cross, you know, just surrendering it, like Pastor Kyle was saying. We are not truly happy and fulfilled in our Christian life because we haven't just brought all of our self-life and our natural mind and then bring it to the foot of the cross, you know. This, by the way, this picture is a great perspective. That's a great view right there. It's the best view of the cross. Not up, down, but from down, up. Because when we're at the foot of the cross and we're looking up, we just can see the power of the cross. We can see the all-powerfulness of the cross of Jesus Christ. We need to take, you know, if somebody doesn't like you or if you don't like somebody or if somebody, if you owe somebody something or if I feel that somebody is done something to me, or, you know, we all have these situations. I got to take that, and I got to bring it to the cross. I just say, you know what? Jesus paid my debt of sin, so I'm going to take that person's debt of sin, and I'm going to bring it to the cross. And if we're not doing that, guess what we are? We're carnally minded. We're just, there's no peace. There's no life. We come to church, and people talk about joy, and we're just dead. We're just so dead, and we're just not experiencing it's we just got to bring it to the cross and say, God, I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know what to deal, how to deal with the deal with this person or this sin in my life. Or, you ever been to some churches where they talk about the secret sin? You ever they, they talk like that? You're, God knows your secret sin, and everybody in the congregation. I remember when I was a teenager, we went to a church like that. Everybody in the congregations is like cringing, like, "Oh my God, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna die and go to hell." You know, my secret sin. Well, you know. Jesus paid for all of our sins and didn't leave the secret sin unpaid for. He paid for that too. You know, and we just bring all that to the cross and we say, God, just like that guy, one of my favorite stories, maybe we can pre- preach on this sometime, is that, that, that sinner. Remember the sinner that was praying towards the temple in Jesus' time and he's standing in front of the temple far away and he's just beating his chest and he goes, oh, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord, have mercy on me as a sinner. That's all he could pray. That was his prayer life. Lord, have mercy on me as a sinner. And, that, and then Jesus said, uh, he contrasted him to the Pharisee who was just talking about everything he had done for God. Jesus asked the question, who went away justified? And everybody said, the man who was praying and asking God to be merciful on him as a sinner. Bring it all to the cross. You know what? And when that happens, guess what happens? 
we, we, we begin to live in a brand new life. And this is what I want to focus on this morning. And I'm Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Paul says, therefore, I urge you. I love how he says this. I'm urging you. I beseech you, King James says, brethren, by the mercies of God. Now, remember that. Because there's no way that we can ever do what Paul's talking about here without mercy. And what's mercy? It just means that God doesn't give us what we deserve. There are going to be times when we present ourselves, you know, we're in the call of God, we're in his plan, you know, and we're functioning, we're just doing God's will. And there are going to be times when we, we mess up, and you know what, we get this sense of like, man, I really deserve punishment. But by, when we present ourselves, as it says here, by the mercies of God, a living and holy sacrifice, which is acceptable God, to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. This is New American Standard Version, which I like because it very often does a good job translating from the Greek. He says, what is your true spiritual worship? Now, when we talk about worship, we get pictures in our minds of just people raising their hands with just awesome Christian music playing and you know, worshiping God. But true worship in the Bible here, in John chapter 4 and also Romans 12, is when I just present myself a living sacrifice to God. I say, God, my body's not my own. My mind is not my own. My eyes are not my own. My hands are not my own. My feet are not my own. And when we present ourselves like that to God, just as we are, like that old Baptist hymn, Just As I Am, we just present ourselves at the cross, at that moment, at that moment, we are worshiping God. And when we do that, then happiness comes back right? Joy comes back. Life comes back. Peace comes back. Sometimes we just got to go for a walk and just say, you know what, I just got to go for a walk and just hear from God. Just take a walk, you know, and or go come down to the church here. It's very often it's open. Just come on in and pray. Whatever we have to do, draw near to the cross. We got a cross here that Don made. You can just come up here and just imagine yourself bringing everything to the cross. And at that moment, when we, when, we bring, when we bring everything to the cross, verse 2 in Romans chapter 12 comes into play. The next verse, and it says, don't be conformed to this world. And Paul doesn't say, don't be conformed to this world first. He says that what? Second. Because there's no way that we can ever not be conformed to the world if we don't first present our bodies a living sacrifice. Many of us are trying to not be like the world, but... Really, that's not the call of God. The call of God is first, bring yourself to the cross. Bring your issues to the cross. Like Gideon had to bring his army to the foot of the cross. And God said, Gideon, your army's too big. You got to cut it down, cut it down. And then with 300 men, he defeats an entire Midianite army. Be not conformed to this world, but, but, but what? What does it say here? Be what? It's up there on the screen. Can you, see, can you read that? Is that too small? Transformed, right? Spiritual transformation. And I want to finish with this. Spiritual transformation. It always, you know, transfer, another way to say this is refreshing or renewal. S refreshing and renewal in our minds always creates spiritual clarity. Don't we want clarity in our life? Mm -hmm. Do you ever get not clear? Like, what is going on? You know, what's been great about having this injury is just just sitting in my house. You know, I just have to sit. Can't really do anything. 
can hold a microphone. That's about it. I can hold a microphone and a cup of coffee. That's great. Oh, I just sit and just think, and, and I've just been enjoying like praying and thinking with God, and you know, just and just clarity comes into your mind when when you bring things to the cross. What happens when you bring yourself to the cross? We are renewed in transformation of our minds. And this is what we got to get. This is what we got to have these days that we're living in. It's a renewed mind every morning. Um, Bill said this last night at the fire. He says, you know, in the morning I just read. You know, he's got like daily, the daily bread, I think it's called. Uh, you, know, he, it, you know, when we have devotions in the morning. Angelica said this the other morning to us. You know, she says, I got to. I got I get up in the early in the morning. I'm not a person that n- normally does that, but God gets me up in the morning, and I just got to read. And the same thing is that in the morning when we get up, don't think about don't. This is the thing, okay? When we wake up, don't grab your phone and check Facebook and your text messages and everything else. Grab your Bible, open it up, and just get renewed in the spirit of your mind. Just try that. When you get when we get renewed in the spirit of our mind, then what happens? then we're able to understand the will of God for our life. And many of us struggle with, what is God's will for me? Well, first of all, that's not the right question. The first question is, am I being renewed in the spirit of my mind? And if I am, then God's going to show me the next step to take in my life. Let's look at this. I want to finish with, uh, uh, it seems like this morning is the morning for uh, questions. So I'm going to give you seven questions. Kyle gave you five questions. If you're new here, don't worry. We're not questioning you too much. But here's the point. A renewed mind is a mind that is Christ-centered. It's Christ-centered, you know? It's like the cross in our... And I like this picture. I've seen this picture before. And I get, when, our, when the cross is in our mind, then all the gears and the mechanisms and the thought processes are proper in our life. And so there's seven daily practices of a Christ-centered mind. I just want to... I don't do this, and I, this is not a self-help class, but um, when we are Christ-centered, we're not looking for what I can get out of my life, and we're not self-centered, and, and soulishness is, is soulishness, remember, is the soul self-conscious, yes or no? Is it aware of itself? Yes, yes it is. Our spirit is what? Is, who is our spirit conscious of? God-conscious, God Right? And a lot of times we live in our soul. We live in self-consciousness. We can do Christian service in self-consciousness. And when we do that, we say, hey, I was never thanked for that. And by the way, I want to thank all the people for doing the mother's room. Uh, because you know what's really, I was thinking last night, I was walking my dog. It's amazing because the people that did that, a lot of them um, are, don't, don't have work right now. They just don't have work. And, and they're looking for jobs. And I thought, isn't that amazing? You get a group of people that don't have work, they could be sitting at home worrying about their finances, but they come out and they weren't even, I mean, I was down, I couldn't come out, I mean, I just finished, I had an operation, I didn't know they were doing this, and then they just come in last Sunday and the, and the mother's room is just like totally finished. It's like, that's amazing. These are people, this is a church that's not a self-centered church, it's a church that's Christ-centered. And when we're Christ-centered, we're not centered around my issues and my problems and what people have done to me. And if you feel like you're the only one like that this morning, we all fall in that category, including myself, when we got to get quickened out of our self-centeredness. And how do we do that? By a renewed mind, by getting a renewed mind. So here are seven things that 
um, I, I just want I want to challenge you to incorporate into your um, into your daily thinking uh, seven things. And when we are when we have a renewed mind, we're living in God consciousness and we're being motivated by His love. Number one, practice getting involved and daily doing something where you and your interests are not in the picture. Okay, and I think a lot of us are doing this, but get engaged with the call of God in your life because. Get engaged with something that's going on in the church. Like we have, you know, this next, Thanksgiving's coming up, and we want to have a program where we're just helping people that really don't have something for Thanksgiving this year. And then not only that, but giving them the gospel too. Get involved and daily do something that does that where you and your interests are not in the picture. Do you understand what I'm saying? Number two, share Christ's gospel in someone's life. Just share the gospel. Share the gospel with someone. We did that last night. You know, I just was thinking this week, I want to share the gospel every day, at least with one person. I just want to share Christ in whatever way I can. We were sitting there last night eating, and I just was sharing the gospel to a young teenage girl that had come to the, the cookout and just said, you got to give your life to Christ. We talked about she has some friend that committed suicide this week or this year in her, in her high school. And we just shared Christ. Number three, in your conversations, and if we're in a Christ, we have a Christ-centered mind, um, this will be easy to do. In your conversations, count how many times you say, I, me, and how long you're talking about yourself, and what you've accomplished, or your failures, or your interests. Um, how many of us have just, jumped into a conversation, and we're talking like 10 minutes straight. And it's so funny to see this happen when it happened. We're just talking about ourselves. We're talking about our problems. We're talking about our failures. And I'm not saying that this ha- sometimes we do have to share these things, but this is you know, a self-centered person who is living in the bondage of their circumstances that's not broken is a person that's going to always be talking about themselves, what they've accomplished. And the center of their conversation is going to be I, me, and what they've accomplished, okay? Number four, don't interrupt people when they're talking. Now, you're going to say, you know, Pastor Chris, you're getting into social, social mod- behavioral modification. I'm not. I'm just saying that when we are Christ-centered, it's like this book Amy Carmichael wrote, If. If you can ever get that book, it's a great book. Uh, don't interrupt people when they're talking. Listen more, talk less. Say what you need to say in shorter sentences and in a quieter way. <laughs> you know, uh, my wife is from Poland, and in Poland, the culture there, it's very, people are very, it's like Italy. They just, you know, they speak very loudly. They get very excited as they're talking. And uh, so when my wife and I got married, we were talking to each other. We'd go to a restaurant and speak in Polish, and she'd be talking to me, and we'd be, it'd be very excited conversation, you know. And um, people would think that my wife's yelling at me. And, and she goes, no, it's just the way we talk in Poland. <laughs> so this doesn't apply to Polish people today. <laughs> Don't interrupt people. Because, you know, if I love, if I'm filled with myself, I'm just gonna, I'm not going to listen to a person finish their sentence. I'm going to just jump in and just say something that's totally perpendicular to the conversation. You know, and just, you know. So, and number five, say thank you more. More than you ask for things. And this is, I thought about this yesterday. Just you know, say thank you. 
You know, when was the last time I sat someone down and said, you know, I just want to thank you and not follow it up with, you know, instruction or a petition or a request? Just say thank you. Just say, you know, I just want to thank you. You know, say thank you to your wife and thank you, thank you to your, you know, someone criticizes you, just say thank you. Thanks. You know, not in a passive aggressive way, but just say thank you, you know. I'm going to take that to heart. Number six, we need to stop looking for what people owe me, but what we owe people. And what do I owe everybody? Paul said, I'm a debtor to all men, the gospel, and to love people. Number seven, this is a big thing. Think less about your failure and condemning yourself and more about how God loves you and people around you. That's what we really need to, because when, it, when we are Christ-centered, we're not thinking in condemnation and beating ourselves up. When we're thinking with God, we're not beating ourselves up, and we're not, you know, we're not beating people up around us. We're just like, you know what? God really loves this person. I was just thinking about, you know, was talking to, and I've told this story before. I, um, we went to a restaurant and met a waitress there, and we got talking with her, and and somehow it got um, on the topic of um, Sunday afternoon, um, the Sunday afternoon crowd in her restaurant. And she said, uh, yeah, Sunday afternoons are the hardest for me. I go, why? She goes, well, it's a church crowd. I go, really? It shouldn't be hard. It should be, you know, these are believers and they should be nice, you know, loving people. And she goes, no, because sometimes they're the hardest people to deal with because they're just so, they can be so demanding and they tip so bad, <laughs> you know. And I said, oh, gosh, it's such not a good, it's such a bad testimony. And I, and I just want to, I finished with these, these seven questions, and I forgot why I brought that illustration up. But anyway, a renewed minds, we just learn how to be thankful. And we're not, we are not demanding things from people, but we're just thankful. We're thanking people. Thank you for, you know, taking my order. Thank you for messing up my order, you know, thank you. And then lastly, I want to finish this, is um, when we are free from our soulishness and the bondage of soul, you know, you can always tell when you're in the soul because you're in bondage and you're putting, we put people in bondage and we put our expectations on people. And, and if we fall into under people's expectations, then we're in bondage. But when we're free at the cross, then what happens? We are free to take on a new faith adventure. We're just like, you know what, I'm free to serve God. I'm free to take on something that is bigger than my flesh, bigger than all my issues, bigger than all of my self-centeredness, and all the bondages of sin. You know, God sets us free to, to serve Him. And, you know, I, I just, I'm so amazed and so happy that we are not in these kind of religious circles where we are being told to do something for God. It's very interesting when Jesus gave the Great Commission to go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples of all nations. That was it. Jesus didn't have a, a 300-page business plan for missions. He just said, I'm setting you free. Now go preach to everybody. And that really is our life, is that when we're free from sin and from bondage and from condemnation and from self-awareness and from all of my problems and all of other people's problems, I'm just free to love people and take on a new faith adventure with God. And we just say, you know what? Maybe I could take a mission trip. Maybe I actually could share the gospel with somebody. Maybe I could get involved more in my church. Maybe I could actually step out 
and move to Hatboro. Oops, wait a minute, sorry. <laughs> no, no pressure on anybody visiting here. I'm always joking with people that come from Baltimore that you guys got to move to Hatboro. I think everybody needs to move to Hatboro and just have an awesome mission here. So no pressure, guys. Amen. So let's just close in a word of prayer and, and uh, thank God for our faith adventure. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for freedom from the flesh, freedom from sin, freedom from the world, freedom from the atmosphere. Lord, we just thank you, God, that the word of life sets us free. In Romans chapter 6 and Romans chapter 7, free to serve. And Lord, we just want to ask you, God, to quicken us, Lord, to bring stuff to the cross and just leave it there and walk away and just say, I'm just leaving, leaving it in the hands of God. And when we do that, we're free. When we do that, we're free to forgive. We're free to love, free to preach, free to serve. And when we do that, we are really shining the treasure that's in us and we're experiencing freedom. And Lord, if there's, if there's folks here today, if we're, some of us are feeling under the pressure and the bondage of the flesh, I just want to bring it to you today, God. Cast it at the cross in Jesus' precious name. And if you're here this morning and maybe you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you only need to do that once in your life, that one moment where you give God your life and you say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. I want to be born again with your Holy Spirit, renewed. Just do that today, and he'll come into your life and he'll change things like you've never seen before. Lord, bless, Lord, the remainder of our service here today in Jesus' name. Amen.